Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, rugby fans. It is an important moment for myself here and with the team, of course, from the Rugby Rant, because why? We're back, baby. Season four, and it feels good. <laughs> and we took a little bit of hiatus to be able to just regather ourselves and set up for the next season while we knew that it was a little bit of a break in the play. But now we're back. Why? Because rugby is back in full force, and we're here to be able to talk about it and that and more. But again, a reminder, my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities. Joining me as per usual, the gang. We know Rob the Hammer, Hammerschmidt. Scott, the big guy Ferrara, and a familiar voice we've not heard on the show for quite some time. Returning here is our resident women's rugby professional expert. We had TJ Olsen from the Bonus Point podcast. TJ, great to have you back, my friend. Fellas, I know it's been a long time, but I'm, I'm super excited to be back on the show. Um, it's been too long between drinks, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very, <laughs> very privileged to, to feel that I get the, the opening slot on the season four. Can't, can't wait to get it rolling. Excellent. Well, and, it, and it has to be that way because as we were commenting before we went on the air, TJ is the only guy that's actually met two of the three of us live and in person, <laughs> whereas Scott, myself, and Ty have never actually met in person. I Great. think, I think I'm coming for you. The list is TJ, probably Fee, Emil Walton, maybe. Uh, Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. Marquise. Yeah. You know, there's a yeah. couple. Patrick Madden, uh, right, right, another right. one. So. And everybody still finds it strange, and so do we. And maybe you do at home as well. Like, how do these guys get together for 109 yeah. episodes? That's right, boys. We're on episode 109, which we can now officially say the start of season four. We'll be back as a, with a blast as we talk about some of the hard-hitting, important news in a moment. Well, boys, you know how this goes. But again, a quick reminder for those tuning in, perhaps for the first time or joining us for the first time in a long time. This is what we call around the pitch. And what we're going to do is hand it one after another to each of these boys on screen. And they're going to tell us what's important to pay attention to as a rugby fan. Starting with TJ, what do you got? So the Women's All right, Premier thanks, League. Thanks, Ty. So the first bit I want to go over is the Women's Premier League is now sticking with their spring schedule instead of the fall schedule that they previously stuck with in the past. I think this is going to start to correlate with the WXV season that consists of six teams to be played in a cross-pool format as a standalone tournament in, in one location. And the awesome thing is they'll have three uh, competitions. So they'll have a WXV one, two, and three. So that'll be an awesome scene for something to see about women's rugby. But also... Some breaking news in my side of the country. Marcel Brachy and Luke Burton now signed by the San Diego Legion. I'm excited to see them come down. And I'll drive down to go watch Beautiful the game. International rugby. Right. And you mentioned Scott's name, so it's only fair to swing it to him next, I guess. Well, WXV, the new competition, is part of the uh, Rugby Pass family of, uh, of, of rugby. And uh, World Rugby has just acquired RugbyPass.com. So Sky New Zealand secures exclusive rights for every World Cup, uh, excuse me, every uh, World Rugby major event through 2029, including the Rugby World Cups, the WXV, and the Sevens. Rugby Pass is included in this acquisition and reflects rugby, uh, World Rugby's mission to grow rugby interest by being more relevant to young people. Um, 
most of the time and it's trying to transform its business model to grow the sport into the, into the next decade, like we said. Um, so it's going to be everything. It's going to be men's and women's uh, World Cups. It's going to be the new WXV. It's going to be the HSBC World 7 Series. And the question is, what happens to TRN, who is uh, currently owned by the Rugby Pass? Um, I don't know. It's October. It's spooky, baby. I don't know, but I also want to feel like I need to be able to add that you could also catch us not only on TRN, but also under the handle at Rugby Red Pod, right. just in case we don't have our home anymore. <laughs> uh, Rob, what do you got to share? Yeah, on the note of broadcasting, uh, the NCR, National uh, Collegiate Rugby, is doing a really neat thing uh, starting this year. And they're let's face it, I think they're going directly up against football to some degree and that they've established Friday night rugby um, they're basically streaming on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, Scott's going to post the link. Um, so check it out. But every Friday night, they're going to have some outstanding uh, collegiate matches. Last week, as of the recording here, Harvard uh, and Yale played each other for uh, the Cormac Cup. Yale retained the cup with a score of 31 to 26. Next week, we're seeing a rematch of the D2 National Championship game with Thomas Moore versus Adrian College, and that'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So check it out. If we want to support rugby and we want it to grow, we have to do the little things, and that's one of the little things every one of us can do. Even if you don't watch the whole thing, leave it on your phone and have it running so they get more likes, they get more um, (laughs) follows, and uh, they can show – they can show advertisers that it's relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry. If in case you didn't notice, that little chuckle came from TJ. And as I look over to the <laughs> private chat on the side, Scott's like, I flubbed the shit out of that. Damn, I'm rusty. TJ's like, me too, bro. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you know, we're, we're all hiatus for a month. We got to get back in the group, baby. This is how we do it. 109 yeah, episodes in. If we make this yeah. look good, it's, it's all a lie, folks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one, one thing back, back home. It's called cool. it's just blasting out the Webs. I'm just getting those out and we're getting it ready to go again. <laughs> well, talking about getting ready to go again, let me take that opportunity to dive into the next piece, which is USA Rugby. Obviously, we know that the women's game is at uh, prominence right now because of the ongoing Rugby World Cup. We're going to be talking about that in a moment as part of our next rants. So make sure that you stick around to learn about those efforts from the USA and Canada. But more importantly, with the USA Rugby men's side, they have sent two sides as an opportunity to be able to get some game time, to be able to test the competition with the players that are available is important, not counting most of the internationals. We have a team headed down to South Africa to be able to compete in two matches uh, at Toyota Park in Bloemfontein, one against the Pumas, which are Curry Cup uh, um, finalists last year, in addition to the uh, Toyota cheetahs um, who have also been chosen to be able to compete in international competitions the epcr most recently this is a high level of competition there's two matches for those then in uruguay they're going to be taking on what it looks to be kind of a second falcon side uh over there they're going to be doing two matches well against the uruguayan 15 and the argentinian 15 both of them are going to be great opportunities to be able to test the the rugby talent that we have um and as gary gold mentioned One of the things that we certainly have learned over this World Cup campaign in the lead up and the run up to what will be our final opportunity is that we need more opportunity to prepare our players and more games to get them prepared. That's what this is going to do. 
So there we have it with our Around the Pitch. We'll be back in just a moment to be able to do what we do, and that's rent. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant Podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. back rugby fans again it's time for us to do what we do best here on the rugby rant and we're going to be talking about rugby in particular it is the women's rugby world cup provided of course by way of the tiktok uh, sponsor which has elevated it on the social media i think a lot of people have seen some great engagement the fan engagement has been tremendous we've hit record setting numbers in new zealand the entertainment has been great with double headers triple headers on the day the fans are in delight light but more importantly let's take a moment to evaluate week one with usa and canada on our minds in group b which of course also has italy and japan and this presented some surprises for some in the opening exchanges uh we're going to dive into that in a moment as we hand it once around the table and as a quick reminder each one of our ranters here has a window of opportunity to say what they think is important the good the bad and the ugly will come from each one of them as we give them an opportunity starting with tj olsen but before we do so a quick reminder for our fans the usa part is what we're talking about first that matchup was against Italy with a final score of 10 to 22. A lot of people online had suggested that Italy certainly has improved to be able to deserve this result. Then we have others on the other side saying that this should have been a favored win. It should have been an opportunity for points in the bag for USA. Where do we lie? Let's find out with TJ. So before I get into this, I do want to give a shout out to the USA rugby staff on the developmental side, people like Martha Danes and Emily Blydewell, because what they're currently doing with the women's development around the country, it's getting me really excited for the next crop of players to eventually come through the pipeline and eventually put a USA Eagles jersey on their chest and play at a World Cup. But staying on the topic with the World Cup, I think the US have a lot of work to do when they if they want to make a run at the World Cup. Uh, you said it yourself, Ty, a lot of people expected the USA to topple this Italy side and and although the world rankings may say five and six where Italy's five US is six I I think we've all seen where world rankings have been uh, far-fetched or incorrect in in a lot of situations but the thing that usually sets the US apart in a lot of sports is intent or passion when paired with knowledge or technical skills and I think the problem comparatively with other nations um, 
is is usually that the U.S. goes above and beyond when it comes with that passion, with their technicality. But in this aspect, the, the U.S. hasn't had the chance to take this sport by bull by the horns and, and really develop themselves with their rugby IQ and, and things like that. So a perfect example of what I mean by intent versus technical was, was shown in the match against Italy. You could see in some parts of the game, the U.S. wanted to attack with quick ball from a ruck or capitalize on mismatches, but the intention was there. The execution wasn't. Carly Walters, the the scrum half on the weekend, she didn't have a terrible game. I I don't want people to hear this as a full negative and and go, oh, he's just bagging on her. But she didn't consistently provide her players platforms to be successful in the situations that presented themselves. A lot of the time she'd pick up the ball and take too many steps or hold it for too long or or pass when it should have been a direct pass instead of she passed a lob. Instead, it should be off the deck and direct. Sometimes it wasn't her fault. Her pods weren't there and there are players that weren't switched on. They weren't ready for the ball. But you can't pick up that ball and not be confident on where it's going to go. That's that's rule number one of being a scrum half. And it doesn't encourage the style of play that they want to play. They, they put too much pressure on their players. And if we're playing against a Blackfern side or an England side and she holds onto the ball for too long, it's going to get picked off or they're going to lose too many meters on their attack. Um, on the defensive side, I think their intent was always there as well. You could see a lot of their players working their butts off to get around the corner um, and, and get set, but they weren't communicating their assignments. They weren't covering their bases. There, there was a lot of ruck watching and focus on the ball. And I think a good example was in, in the 50th minute, the try that Italy scored, instead of moving some players around to cover around the ruck and, and numbering up on the edge, too many players were focused and staring at the ruck and, and waiting for the next pick and drive rather than thinking about what they should be doing and what their assignment was. So I think when we look at what the U.S. need to do coming into these next couple of matches, it's not all negative for the U.S. I think they've they've got to stay consistent through the whole 80 minutes because you look at the first 30 minutes they put through, they scored a couple of really good tries. They, they, um, they put together some really good defensive sets. And I thought their forwards were quite dominant in the scrum. You saw them really blast through a couple of scrums through Italy. And Italy are known not very well for their scrum, but they've, they've got a pretty solid pack. Um, and they also had some very direct phase play. So I think when they're coming into these next couple of matches against uh, Japan and Canada, they have to win these next couple of games. They have to win big because they need to stack this point differential up on the pursuit for that final playoff spot. But a couple of things to work on. Can they get it done? Who knows? But I, I think I have confidence in a few players, um, especially Alev Kelter, who's, who's a really big leader on that. Um, you've got a couple of really strong forwards. Let's see what they do. Let's see what they do indeed is going to be what happens as their next matchup will be against Japan, um, who we will talk about in a moment in their matchup with Canada. But we have to be able to see big points there, as you pointed out there a moment ago from TJ Olsen. Uh, Really some great takeaways, some wonderful insights there. It sounds as if you're leaning towards the fact that this should have been points on the board for them and higher up on the log. Uh, but we'll leave you with that uh, for the moment. And we hand it over to Scott Ferraro. What do you have to say about this? Let's get hot, baby. This is the one thing I, I hate about TJ. I love TJ as a friend, but he's taken my points here. And I think you're right. I think uh, Carly Waters was slow on the ball. I'm getting the ball out. And what that, what does that happen? What happens? The defenders come to the game line quicker. And you're right. I think they seemed out of sorts a little bit with their pods, um, with their, their, especially it didn't seem it's like their forwards were getting out where they needed to be. Their flankers were, you know, just, just as you, if you watch the men's side or you watch a, you know, re- a really good MLR side, you'll always notice that flankers out wide 
with the wing and the, the, the forwards seem to be there, but there seemed to be confusion with the backs. Um, not really sure why um, that shouldn't happen. I mean, these girls have been together for quite a while now through a, a large camp. Um, one thing he didn't mention, and you know, it's a team game and, you know, we talked about Carly waters, but I want to talk about um, uh, Joanna uh, Kitlinski. She had some really bad throws in the first half on the line out. And unfortunately that just kind of unraveled um, what, the team was doing in that first half and, and unfortunately was part of that like half an hour in Italian territory where, where we had trouble scoring. Um, listen, we've all seen men and women get the yips on throwing. It just happens. Sometimes it's the ball. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes it's the cadence. I mean, it's just, you know, that kind of shit happens, but I think in all, you know, that encompasses some of the things that were happening. Um, the other thing, in my opinion, I felt that they should have put Kelter at the center. Um, I don't think they needed her at the fullback position for her, def- for her, you know, she's strong everywhere. She's strong on offense. She's strong on defense and where they position her, um, you know, tends to dictate what kind of what they're doing. I thought she should have been put it at center. Not that the centers we had weren't up to snuff, but there's just something about Alev getting the ball and running straight that I think might've broken the Italians a little bit more um, than being at the fullback position and not really getting ball in hand on, on, you know, on the offense. Um, on defense, you're right. Yeah, it, it, he, I was going to use that exact same try um, by Muzo at the 51st minute. To the, there was a miscommunication. Somebody wasn't wasn't communicating, and and she got the ball flat and almost like a sevens try ran around the corner and got enough speed to get around a big corner, which is something you don't often see um, in 15s. But it's more of a sevens thing where you can just kind of take off and, and bounce it around and go outside. And again, it was just a miscommunication. It wasn't anything like, you know, it wasn't bad play. It was just somebody wasn't in the correct slot. The good part is these are all things they could fix. So it, it just has to come together. Um, I, I do think, um, I think the last time Italy played Canada, Canada beat them up. Um, and I, this is the first loss to Italy. I believe the women had the, the Eagles had. So it just seems weird to me. That's I know they, that the, the Italians played a, a beat a really good French side recently, but historically, you know, I think we should have won this match. So, real quick, what should what we need to do? What we need to do more um, going into this uh, match against Japan? Put Alev Kelter at the center, feed the centers, make them go straight. Make sure our pack is 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 having great scrums, and make sure that lineout throw is accurate. Unfortunately, this is one of those matches we have to pour it on them. We have to score a lot of points, like TJ said. We need to bring the point differential up. Yeah, and you you hit one of the important points that I wanted fans to be able to to pay attention to. You said a lot of good stuff, but the one thing that should stand out is that historically they should have gone in as the favorites, and because the record suggests they had never lost against Italy, but this was a loss regardless of the conditions. It's the first time, so that certainly is headed in the opposite direction. But uh, you both covered a lot of similar points there. Really great insights. I don't want to be able to share any more because we got one more guy to be able to take the plate here, and he's up on deck, Rob Hammerschmidt. Yeah, thanks, Ty. Um, I'd like to touch upon a couple other things, although I think both both Scott and uh, TJ hit upon uh, Waters, and that was one of my concerns in the tune-up matches is that I just thought she was a little – too slow and indecisive at the at the base of the breakdown, which was one of my big concerns going to the tournament. Nevertheless, I thought our lineout possession was poor. Um, we squandered a lot, a lot of lineout opportunities in the first half in our attacking third, um, and we squandered a lot of possession in our attacking third uh, due to penalties. I think there was a rolling mall that we had an opportunity to kind of keep driving, and we blew it. Um, and I think by doing that, we, we kind of slowed down our own momentum in that first half. I think only coming, I think it was tied 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, at half, or maybe it was seven to five. Seven, seven to five, five. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, given that fact, I think that really, um, you know, hampered us mentally. Uh, I, I think the Italian back three outclassed our back three. And I'm not talking necessarily about Kelter per se. I thought Kelter was fabulous. I agree with Scott. I think she was, I think she should have been at the centers. Our centers lacked the ability to find the gaps and make use of the space. They were almost, they're big and they're strong, but I didn't think they had that burst needed to make a break and then find an offload, right? And and so there wasn't a lot of continuity in play. I mean, the times that we found continuity in play, it was because, um, you know, our captain fabulous, uh, Kate was out, Kate Zachary was out there and she would make a nice break because she has some wheels and then offload to uh, to our wing. So, yeah, um, you know, they're, they're 14, 11, and 15, I think, combined for four tries. Um, so uh, they were pretty tough. And I, I, I think our, our center's got to be better uh, at making the breaks, and I think our, our back three got to play, play better going to the next one. Italy's number 10 was fabulous, by the way. <laughs> I mean, she, she kicked well. I thought she put people into space well. I was pretty impressed with her. Um, so, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, she plays in the, in their next game. Um, what do we do while our scrums? Uh, I think in the first half we won three against the head, but again, we couldn't make use of any of that, uh, any of that success and build and put points on the board, which I thought, you know, is fixable. Um, but you know, we've got to make a determined effort to be tough to scrum. So kudos to Hope Rogers and Nick James, cause they were outstanding, uh, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that match. So what do we got to do next? I, I think the back line's got to be shaken up a bit. I agree with Scott. I think you bring Kelter into the centers um, and and uh, perhaps you get a little bit more burst and have her uh, run into space because she's going to try to draw two defenders and you make use of, of offloading and they got to have continuity in offloading. They got to have more support, not only at the rucks, um, because I tell you what, um, Canada is excellent at the breakdown and that's going to have to be an area that we really focus on. Um, so uh, continuity in the uh, sorry support in the rucks support in the offloads I think are key. Um, our back three have to be on their toes against Japan. Japan kicked pretty well. They had a fifty twenty two in that match against Canada. So um, I thought they kicked the space really well. So our back three are going to have to be smart. Um, and we've got to run better support lines, as I said. Um, I got I, sorry. I got to I got to interrupt before Ty goes. A through line that just popped into my head thinking about it. Um, Carly Waters and Ruben Haas. Where do they play professionally? Saracens, right? Yeah. And a lot of the criticism they get is successful for the Saracens organization. So I wonder if they have trouble translating their skills or maybe making some adjustments sometimes when they're playing on the national teams to a different set. Because it seems to me, you know, Ruben de Haas, you know, people have criticism about him and the way he plays. But Saracens are a top flight team in the, in the premiership. And you have mm-hmm. Carly Waters, you know, uh, the women's Saracens were right there in the final uh, this season and, and played very well. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. It was just interesting. You, you, you do see that a lot, I think, especially in the international stage, but you think with the summer series they just had and other aspects that they would have gone into training camp as well, you think their coaches would have spotted that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying they didn't. Maybe she just kind of got into a flow or kind of just a habit where she got into those types of situations. But you would think that at halftime when the coaches would have seen that they would have gone, hey, holding onto the ball too long or we need we need quicker ball. Let's get it moving rather than trying to look for options. If you pick that, you got to go. So, yeah, no, I, I feel you, Scott. 
All right, gentlemen, let me dive in here to be able to close this round out before we go on to our conversation to talk about Canada and Japan. Of course, that's an important one to be able to take note of because uh, USA will be taking on Japan next. But I wanted to share a couple of final thoughts myself here. Um, And all of you have brought really interesting points. Um, Obviously, I can't disagree with any of them. I do lean towards the side that I felt that this should have been a win. Um, But let's look at the lessons. Let's look at what they need to be able to do. Lineouts were weak and need improvement. Scrum time was great in the first 30. For the next 50, it was all Italy. Hope Rogers, great. Physicality, awesome. But I got to say, something changed after that 30th minute and the penalties were going the other way. So was the momentum. Um, One of the things I wanted to be able to bring up, maybe it's better to be able to look at what did Italy do right? Right, and we can see some lessons there too. They had eight line breaks against uh, the two for uh, the USA. Their possession, they 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 had what maybe I think a total of twenty three percent possession over the match. That's ridiculous. So what did they do that led them to score twenty two points over the ten? They took their opportunities while they existed, and that's what's important. If you have 80-plus possession and territory in your favor and you score only 10 points, you got to ask yourself, what are you doing wrong in the red zone? And that's where your quickest area of improvement is. And I think that's what they'll be focusing on, is being more clinical, taking the opportunities. They had some really good drives upfield, put together some great phases. Yes, it could have connected even better with the supporting runners at the right place at the right time, quicker ball from the base of the scrum. But when they did get down there, they just couldn't put it together. And that's what we hope to see differently from next time. So um, I think that it was a good round all around. What we need to be able to do now, gentlemen, is turn our attention to Canada versus Japan. This was, of course, another Group B matchup. It is so important for a couple of reasons. One, Canada took the maximum points of five, that of course being four for the win, and the bonus point giving them the maximum of five, sitting at the top of the table alongside uh, Italy in terms of five points apiece. So this sets the tone for the group. They're up there. They got the opportunity to get points early. They set out to be able to get those points, and they got them. And that's exactly what we wanted to see from another great North American side. To be able to start this round off, to dive into this a little bit farther, we're going to hand it over to Rob Hanishman. Yeah, I thought Canada played a fabulous game in, in a bunch of different phases. One of, the one, one of the phases I thought they did particularly well was tactical kicking. There were a couple of really critical kicks, uh, one of them into space, um, that really caused uh, Japan to be on a back foot and allowed their chase um, to, you know, knock down that for that first try, knock the kick down that ultimately led to the first try later on in the second try, um, when they kicked into space, uh, got Japan on their bat on their heels, uh, they forced an error that, uh, called, you know, caused them to be able to get a line out because of a poor clearance kick. And they used that to, uh, get a rolling mall going and ultimately led to their second try, which leads me to the second thing they did really well. They mauled the shit out of the ball. I mean, that was a clinic uh, in how to maul well. Um, there, let's see, there are uh, three first half tries all came from rolling mauls. One of them from, I think, 20 meters out. 25 meters out. It was pretty impressive. I love. Um, I just want to interrupt for a second. I love how everybody in the world says that that is the most boring version of rugby when South Africa does it, when Canada does a great job. <laughs> I'm only teasing. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, it's just because we don't like South Africa. Uh, but anyway, I, um, uh, I second that. I definitely second that. The one Kiwi. Gee, what a surprise. <laughs> um, but but I, I thought they used their forwards really well. When they needed to tighten things up and kind of get control of the game, they ran their tight forward pods and just they broke the gain line almost every time, put you know Japan on their on the back foot, and they kept driving and then um, use that opportunity then to get the ball. Cause there was a period there where their backs really weren't handling the ball really well, but it didn't phase them. They changed their tactics. They kind of shored things up, use their strong forward, Sophie to Goody charging forward. Um, and, and I thought that was pretty inf- uh, impressive. Um, relentless defense, not their defense was outstanding. Um, I think that in the, in the next game, they need to pound Italy's forwards, um, just pound and pound, send two forward pods at attack, close to the ruck the next one attack the 10 attack the 12 and grind the smaller italian forwards uh sorry back line down and wear them out and then use that to open up uh you know opportunities to attack for their backs um and then um I, the one thing i would say is they need to maintain their back three structure because italy was pretty good with the boot they had opportunities to create um you know at least put a little pressure use some pressure with their foot. So uh, Canada will have to be a little bit cognizant where they set, where their back three set themselves up. Excellent analysis again from Rob Hammerschmidt. Um, let's hand it over to, oh, actually, before I, I jump further, it's also good to be able to remind everybody that I just like doing this to Scott very often. Um, <laughs> no, really, actually, what I wanted to point out is that the next matchup is against Italy, and I didn't actually mention the scoreline for this Japan one. It was 41-5. to 5. I want to make sure we got that in there when we're talking about tries being scored and the number of them as well. Let's hand it back to Scott. Sure. Well, we're still cooking. And I think one of the things that, uh, you know, kind of was brought out in what Rob said was uh, the Canadian forwards bullied the Japanese forwards. Right. And this is something we talk about that we want to see out of the, the, the USA uh, Eagles as well is, is use use what you have. Right. One of the things we do have is size and speed, especially in those front eight. And that's something that I think Canada does very well. And you often see it when Canada plays USA. It's a tough, hard physical match. And I think other teams can't handle that, especially when they get punched in the mouth in the first 20, 20 minutes like that. And you saw that. I do. I did find uh, it interesting. You know, Brianna Miller scored, uh, I think, at the 20th minute and the 35th minute um, at, at the scrum half. And they took her out, you know, makes sense. Bring in somebody at halftime. They're up, you know, 40, whatever, you know, 35 to, to five at that point. Um, and then who came in to kick? Sophie to Goody. It was interesting that she did all the conversions after that. Um, I thought it was interesting uh, having your, your eight and your captain uh, kicking the ball that way. But I think, um, uh, you know, the kicking, the tactical kicking was good. I think everything uh, they, they set up from the tactical kicking was good. They also had a good charge down. Um, and I think uh, Paige Ferris just hopped on it uh, and scored on that one. Um, and it, it was almost a flawless victory, I would say, um, except for some handling errors at the end. But I got to be honest, that really doesn't matter when you're up by, 30 mm-hmm. points. Um, what, what they can do, what they can do is uh, make sure that their tackling is solid and make sure that they learn from the mistakes that the Eagles had in communication on their back line on defense. Was it good against Japan? Yes. It needs to stay good and be better against Italy. Cause we saw how they killed the Eagles 
Right, right. But I almost get the feel that, you know, that Canada had more left in the tank when they finished that game against Japan, which is good, but you can't hold anything back when you go against a, a competitor like Italy. So you hope that they certainly throw everything at it, right? Well, yeah, I, I, there was stuff left in the tank, but when you got have like the specifically their two locks, Courtney, um, Holt camp and Tyson Bukamoom, you know, they're big physical specimens and they lay down hits and they, what they do is they tactically jackal and tactically, uh, um, counterattack a ruck which is something uh, you see a lot with guys like Nate Brakely and Nick Savetta on the U- on Team USA, right? Um, it's not necessarily that they're going to successfully win the jackal, but as the nine's going in to pick the ball or somebody's going in to pick the ball, especially Bukaboom, she times it so that way she's counter-rucking and pushing those. The, right, just create a nuisance like, there at that Exactly, area. create some nuisance, create some some tough uh, handles with the ball. And sometimes just, just breaking a scrum half out of the rhythm of just picking and throwing. Mm-hmm. Sets you up uh, down the road for them to make another. And you would hope to be able to see much more of that as they take on Italy, who's going to be able to use that ball more wisely, who's going to be more of a and quickly. So I, I, I wonder if if you know their their jackling is going to have to be quicker on the ball versus mm-hmm. waiting, waiting, waiting because Japan was slow to bring the ball out. So right, and there's a lot of people who may very well agree with the sentiment, especially considering that Italy has now put themselves forward as a favorite to be able to be uh, a leader in this group and potentially take it all against the grain. Um, But, of course, Canada has that opportunity to be able to stop them. Let's hand it over to TJ to hear what he thinks they should do to make that happen. So, Scott, there's one for me, one for you. You stole my work on, so I I think we've got to roll on and just take one for the team. But um, when you look at Canada's world ranking at the moment and their strong performances over the summer, I think Canada has a quite a good chance of making a deep run in these playoffs if they got a good mm-hmm. matchup in the quarters. But uh, with this rant, I'm, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to do like a little bit of a positive sandwich because I want to end on like a positive. I'll go positive, <laughs> work on positive, may, maybe a little bit. But um, you, you can work uh, on your language and call it the shit sandwich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, not everything was perfect about this side over the weekend, but they did a lot of things well, like like the both, both of the guys alluded to. But the first positive, what I thought was, um, they didn't let any opportunities go to waste. I, I think whether it was Tutossi mm-hmm. diving on loose balls, their players punishing poor defensive reads, I think everything about their team showed that they were switched on. Um, I, right. I also think that 9-10-12 combination of Miller, Perry, Tessier uh, has been great for their attack. Um, we spoke about Miller coming off halfway through because obviously they, they blew off. But I, I think if, if we go deep into a game and they need her for about 60, 65 minutes, I think they can really rely on her um, because I think a lot of her play was capitalized, obviously, on on the hard work of the forwards. They did a lot of hard yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Miller provided a lot of clean ball, direct ball, and, and she also took a lot of attacking opportunities around the fringes. If you talk to any player that has a halfback that's a strong attacking weapon. They they love the time that it creates for them when it makes decisions. She continued to force defenders to come in a little bit tighter, creating more space out wide. And Miller also bought time. I think uh, Rob spoke about it before to, uh, with Tessier and her kicking game. Um, and it was one of the biggest highlights of the game because that kick and that charge down resulted in a try. And they had a really good uh, kick chase. So I think there'll be a great matchup for Italy. And if the U.S. don't get their defense sorted out, Canada will definitely take out that pool because I think they're, they're just going to keep hammering them. The, the shit sandwiches, as Ty put it, is the downside to Canada was they, like Scott said, they made a lot of poor defensive reads against a fit and quick team like Japan. I think in, in broken play, they gave a lot of meters away with some high and ineffective tackles. And if you've got a team that has some 
whether it's great support play or a strong offload game, a lot of attacking opportunities just open up and it just runs away with you. So that's my personal work on for Canada. But the other positive side, the takeaway, and I think it's the most important piece was their set piece, particularly their rolling more, because I think it seems mm-hmm. to be the backbone of their attack, um, especially when you're going up against like a 13th ranked Japanese side. You, you can definitely get those uh, kinks out and start working on them and just roll against them. But the, the one concern I do have with that is that they have to stay vigilant when they come into the playoffs because they're going to encounter teams like from Europe or Australasia. And comparatively to a lot of Canadian forwards, they aren't as big and physical as other teams. You, you look at Australia, who's got a really big forward pack. You've got England and France. They'll, they'll give it to you really, really um, right. You're not going to be able to push be- everybody around. Yeah, they'll be very clinical. But I, I think if their form stays good, you, you've seen in scrums before where the pack may be smaller, as long as their form is solid and they, they get it uh, a good clean ball from the line out, I, I think they're going to be good. They just have to have something in their back pocket just in case that goes wrong. So that's that's my lovely shit sandwich there, boys. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, so, gentlemen, you know, maybe it's a fitting opportunity here to be able to just go one more time around the table and just ask you for a win prediction. We don't need to go any further than that. But as we look ahead to the weekend's matchups, of course, this is going to be dropping on TRN uh, shortly before these matches will take place. And folks tuning in might want to be able to hear what we have to think the result might be. Let's start once around the table with you, TJ. We kick it back to you to be able to tell us who do you think it's going to be usa or japan and then of course uh italy or canada on the wins so i think with with these games i think i'm definitely going to stick with um usa i think they're going to come really hungry from that loss and i think they're going to work on a couple of things i don't think it'll be perfect but i think they'll they'll get the job done against canada um and they'll mm-hmm. try and stack up the point differential i think that'll be really the fire under their ass but um the japan, canada yeah. italy yeah, the Canada-Italy game will be a very interesting one. I, I think I'm going to back Canada just because I do think um, they can really get them around the fringes as well because I saw a couple of mm-hmm. weird defensive reads. But yeah, definitely back in yep. Canada on that one. And history is on their side in the results. Scott, your quickfire answers? Uh, I think USA wins big. The point spread's probably going to be in the 20s. Right. I think uh, Canada... Okay. Gives three and a half to uh, to Italy. It's going to be a tight one. And real quick, we missed one one more North American. Cat Roach, the AR for New Zealand, Australia on the opening. Right. Yes, one of the great representatives from our side and her first time at that level, but of course will not be the last. We'll continue to be able to see her. Uh, and also I think she'll be taking the whistle in the center uh, later on. So uh, we got our predictions from TJ and Scott. Let's hand it over to Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt for your thoughts there. Uh, I'm putting my um, my muscle behind the USA against Japan, uh, okay. and I think they'll it'll be somewhere in, in north of 17 points uh, differential. Uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna select Canada. I think the Canadian forwards are gonna bully uh, Italy. Uh, they're gonna wear them down, uh, and I think it's gonna be a, a, a 10 point differential uh, between uh, Canada and Italy. All right. Well, there you have it, everyone tuning in again. It's been another phenomenal opportunity to spend our time here together talking about what we all have come to love. And that, of course, is rugby. But more importantly, rugby in North America. Focus this time on the women's game. Of course, we'll be continuing to follow that throughout the progress of their Rugby World Cup campaign in uh, New Zealand. We wish them good luck. 
Of course, we know that America did not have its desired opening, but there are plenty of lessons in those first losses. And it's best to have that early because it could light a fire inside them that will certainly take them on to greater success. I think the most interesting game will be that America-Canada matchup um, for this pool. And we'll be following that in probably the next or is that the no sorry the week after that's right but stick around folks we will of course be keeping you abreast with whatever comes uh, comes our way with this rugby world cup gentlemen thank you very much for your time it's best we of course say uh congratulations to uh to tj for making it is this your fifth time on the show actually or fourth time do you know i think i think it's fourth yeah okay i'm I'm ready to take that that fifth title though like i'm I'm ready to come come oh okay the fifth title assuming he won the previous four is that right yeah i'm just just giving myself a pat on the back i didn't even know if i won two but i like you know on that note i think i probably am going to give you the the title for this round just because of your confidence Uh, just remember ty he said he didn't like safas either so oh actually that's true yeah i was actually quite surprised you gave that one to me mate i was sitting there going (laughs) i I gave them a ripping and you were like yeah i'll still give it to you it's okay it's okay it's okay it's 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 fair enough south africa uh and new zealand has a good rivalry and i always enjoy it so always so uh, it is customary, as you know, TJ, to be able to give you an opportunity to send a shout out to anybody important, a club, a person, anybody you think deserves it. Here's your window, my friend. Uh, I think I'll just go straight to uh, Santa Monica Rugby Club back here. Uh, we're kicking off our season in about uh, just under a month. We've got our uh, women's annual general meeting coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, gearing up, and then we start preseason in about a month. Uh, so Big shout out to that team and, and just big shout out to women's rugby in general. I think the Women's World Cup showed in, in New Zealand, we, we broke a record, 35,000 mm-hmm. people passionately screaming for a, Australia uh, versus a Wallaroos right. versus Black Ferns game. And I think just keep supporting women's rugby. It's the fastest growing sport in America and, and this team's popping up everywhere. So I think if everybody gets behind it and they come and support the women's game plus the men's game, rugby's got a big future here in the US. So just keep doing it. Excellent. Love it. Love mm-hmm. it. Love it. Gentlemen, again, thank you very much. And thank you as the fans back home to tune into episode 109. Continue to be able to follow us online under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod for all of the latest updates when it comes to the World Cup campaign in New Zealand. We'll be following it week after week with your help and the help of some guest ranters. So stick to social media and you'll, of course, learn more about that. For now, I wanted to be able to thank you and the team here for joining us for episode 109. And we will see you at the next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.